Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to the Man in the Post pre-season preview show. Joining me on this episode, we have Billy Grant from Brentford City. Billy, how are we? Not too bad. How are you doing, Alistair? Yeah, very well, very well. Uh, Full transparency, this one has been recorded after the first game of the season, so we'll have a slightly more upbeat um, Brentford fan, I'd imagine. Um, Before we talk about this season, Billy, let's just briefly talk about last year. Obviously, High expectations the way the season went from outsiders of Brentford. Obviously, everybody's speaking about how good the football was. Obviously, players like Ivan Tony and that are obviously well well known within fans of the Premier League. How how do you feel the season was for yourselves in the end? Uh, I think the season obviously. And thanks for having me on. Like I said, and uh, the season obviously went very well because we we got promoted in the end. Um, uh, I think the the difficulty was obviously the pre season the season before we were uh, we were a very a very very good side. Um, very good side with very good players. Ollie, um, Ollie Watkins, you know, um, Saeed Ben Rama was in that side. We had Josh De Silva, who the following season was out for most a lot of the season, injured. So we had a very, very good side. We scored a lot of goals. We were also sort of conceding, even though we had a very good defence. At one stage, we started to kind of sort of to see, see little goals here and there because teams worked out how to stop us playing the way that we wanted to play. Um, and, uh, and, and nick little goals here and there. So that's how we kind of slipped behind in the promotion race that year. And even though we did, when we came back from lockdown, we were on fire. We won eight games in a row. I think it was, well, seven games after lockdown, plus one before the lockdown. So that's eight games in a row. We only needed to win or have one more point, I think it was. And then we would have actually got automatic promotion. We, we failed at the final hurdle. And a lot of people say we, we bottled it. But my argument is that I'm not being funny. You win eight games in a row. That's pretty unnatural. You know, yeah. and out, and out of those out of those ten games, you normally would have expected to have lost one or two. And the fact that you lost it at the end, as opposed to the, the beginning or the middle, it's just the way it goes with the numbers. So I didn't think that we bottled it. I just thought that you know we it, it just it just ran out its course, and we were just a little bit unlucky that it's run out its course at the wrong time. But on the flip side of that, I was actually quite pleased we didn't go up that season. And this is a little bit in retrospect, um, but you know, and you, we could tell by the end of the player final that there wasn't going to be any fans in the stadium the following season and if you're a fan like me we've been following the team for 40 plus years and being up in Grimsby and Accrington Stanley and you know Wrexham and all these places which are wonderful places to go to so you're doing that and all of a sudden you've got the chance of going to Man United and Liverpool the last thing you wanted to be doing is watching these teams on the television especially yeah. if you go home and away so in retrospect you know Fulham did us a favour um, bees that Fulham down the following season as it is and we're all good, but you know, you, you're coming back to answering the question that you asked me. You know, uh, are, you know, are you pleased how it went? I've said compared to the previous season, we had a really great team, which was beautiful on the eye. 
with the Watkins, the Ben Rama, the BMW, as they call them. The following season, we realised that we had to be a little bit more, a bit cleverer in the way we went about our football. So we basically tightened ourselves up at the back. We decided that if we had to nick a game 1-0, we would do, you know, all those kind of things to make yourselves, um, you know, to make yourselves move forward, even if you move forward slower. It's almost better for you to get a point here and a point there than, you know, to lose three points in one place and then you, then you pick up three points. So we were actually doing that last season. And even though we weren't pretty as pretty on the eye as the season before, defensively we were better. We actually scored. I'm not sure. We, I'm not sure if we scored more goals than we did the previous season. I think we might have done. But, um, obviously, we had the, the highest goal scorer in the league. We didn't have a, a bigger spread of goals than we did the season before because we had, you know, we had our, you know, the, the BMW scored 55 goals between them. I think between three players, and then Justin Silva scored 14 as well on top of that. So we had some players that were scoring all over the pitch the previous season, but we had Ivan Tony scoring 31 goals. But um, yeah, you know, so. So, so but we got more points in the end. So what we were doing is that we didn't lose as many games. So I think that just goes to show you that that season we sussed out how we what we needed to do to get to the playoffs. And you know we finished in the playoff place of third place, which is where we finished beforehand. The season before West Brom went up automatically on eighty three points. We finished in third place and got to the playoffs on eighty seven. So we actually got less more points than the team that got automatically promoted the previous year. So it kind of gives an indicator as to maybe where we had, you know, how much we had improved over the season. Yeah, so on that then, I didn't realise how close you had came the season before. Do you think you were better suited this se- last season, obviously now, than the season before to, for the, the season ahead, basically? Do you think you're more equipped to stay up, really, which is of, obviously it's the, the ultimate goal for the first season normally. Yeah. Um Better prepared for this season coming, or yeah. do you think last season might have been with the obviously with Watkins etc. That's still there. I listen. I love Wally Watkins, and I would have loved to be in the Premier League with him. And the fact that he played for England, and I've, got, I've been to 15 tournaments with England, I'd have loved to have gone to an England game with a player who who played for my team actually in the England side. But we didn't go up, and that's a shame. Now, what I would say is, and again, I'm I'm not saying this on an arrogant type way. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a football fan who loves my team, and I. Here to impart you information. I believe that that team with the Watkins and that was a brilliant team. And if we'd gone up, um, we would have bought more players and we would have added to it and we would have added to it to a compete. And it would have been really exciting with Ben Rama and Watkins and, and, you know, De Silva, if he was, you know, not injured and Ben and Boomer playing the way he was in that side in the Premier League. And we were very similar to Leeds, right? I'm not saying that we were Leeds, but we were very similar to Leeds. And what we did is that we created a lot of chances and, in the championship, you know, what you do, just like what Leeds did, you miss a lot of those chances. But the fact that you're creating lots of chances mean that you still score goals. So we were playing, you know, playing, flowing football, passing it out from the back, passing it around the midfield, playing it very much like Leeds. Leeds were very much the best team in our league, you know, but we were a very close second to Leeds that season, even though we didn't finish second, you know, in the football that we played. And, um, and, and, and I think we just had to be a bit, a bit cleverer in how we delivered that football and we did that the following season. So I think that even if we'd gone up the previous season, we would have been out there, we would have been okay, we would have been similar to, you know, Villa, Villa in the end, when they went up, they finished in sixth place on 78 points, you know what I mean? You know, they kind of like, you know, they, they weren't even in the, in the runnings, you know, in, in February when we played them and we beat them, but they never lost a game after we beat them in the February that season, and they went up, they got in the playoffs, they sort of slunk into the playoffs just about the last minute, and they went up and won, they went up following season, they 
just about hung on by the, the, the skin of their teeth. But yeah. then the following season, they're flying. So I think it's very hard for you to just say, if this happens, will that happen? I think a lot of it depends on what you do in the transfer window. Fulham went up, you know, and they didn't do very well in the transfer window. And they, you know, unfortunately for them, came straight back down. You know, I'd like to think that we're very clever in the transfer window and hopefully we'll do enough to try and keep us battling to at least keep our heads above the water. So I think this side is very good because it's Ivan Tony. It's a different, but it's a very different side from the Benrama Watkins side beforehand. And I think that I'm only saying this with a bit of touch wood. Both of them would, would, would be battling equally as well to try and keep their heads above water in the Premier League. Yeah, no, that's a very good answer. And obviously, you know more than myself. Um, but perfect segue for yourself onto the, the summer transfer window then. Uh, what incomings and outgoings have you, have you had this year and do you think you're finished? Um, we basically, you know, the, the outgoings, we had a few players like Mark Condes who scored the goal, the second goal at Wembley. He went on a free transfer. His, his transfer ran down and I think, you know, Brentford maybe may have tried to renew it. Maybe there might have been a difference in what he wanted. Maybe Brentford turned around and thought, actually, you know, maybe for the Premier League, you know, because Mark Condes was a bit hot and cold, I have to admit. You know, it was, he did great for us, but a bit hot and cold. And whether or not he's the type of player that's going to take up one of the 26 places in the Premier League, they probably thought maybe not. So they ran his you know, contract, ran out, which is quite unusual for Brentford because we don't normally let our players' contracts run out. And it gave him the opportunity to move to Bournemouth. Uh, but to be fair, we did pick him up on a free transfer. So he's probably one of the very few players that we actually didn't, you know, didn't make any money on, you know, but we didn't lose any money on him as such. We also had um, Henrik Dalsgaard, who was, uh, who was our right back, uh, you know, Danish international right back, didn't play in the, in the Euros. We had a couple of players playing in the Euros for Denmark in the semi-final against England, but he wasn't one of them because his time, he kind of like, you know, came to a bit of an end when it came to that. And his contract also ran down, but we actually transferred him to our owner's Danish club, which is, well, the biggest club in Denmark, who actually, um, Champions League club as well out there. So he, um, he, play, he, he, uh, he transferred to them. And I think he actually set up a goal against, was it Man United? No, Celtic. Celtic, that's it. They knocked Celtic out of the Champions League a few weeks ago and he actually yeah. set up the goal for that as well. So he's, um, Henrik Dalsgaard, he was a great servant for us. So he was out. But coming in, we had, um, Aja, ironically as well from Celtic, centre back, yeah. ball, ball playing centre back. I've heard he's an absolutely fantastic player. I've seen him play a few times now and he's the type of player that we want and we need, you know, to carries the ball out from the back, very calm on the ball. Um, as you, um, we played, you know, in the pre-season friendlies and he looked cool and cool and composed. We played Arsenal and he looked cool and composed. So that's really good. And then we've got a guy called Frank the Tank Onyeka, who we got from FC Michelin in Denmark, who's counted as the best player, not in the top side, but in the Danish league. Because uh, any player who's really, really good in the Danish league ends up being transferred to a, to a European side normally. So they're playing in, you know, in Italy, playing in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Premier League. Um, so, but he was the player that was obviously still playing in their um, domestic league, and uh, he was meant to be the best player in their league. And um, we saw him playing a friendly against uh, Valencia, who we beat two one, and he was like a Duracell bunny all over the shop. He was, it was just brilliant. And he popped up, scored a goal, and he'd only played twenty minutes because he he had been on quarantine because he came over had to quarantine for ten days, and then afterwards he was let out. So he he he'd come out of quarantine, and the following day he's like you know off the bench against Valencia. <laughs> And I looked at that and I thought, tell you what, I bet you he's going to start against Arsenal. And of course he did. He started against Arsenal and he was there in the midfield causing all sorts of problems. So I like Frank, the tank, on Yeka. And then we've got another guy called um, Miles Pert-Harris as well, who signed to Chelsea. 
Um, he's an attacking midfielder, so he sounds very good. A young player, so we got him as well. And then we just recently signed this player called Visa. Um, he's a Yoan Visa from Lyon. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of Brentford fans have to get their head around this because we're normally used to signing players from Le Orient, like Leighton Orient, you know, <laughs> from East London. So this is a bit, this is, we had to get, it took us a while to get our head around this one because we signed him from this French team who's playing the top league in France. And, uh, he's going to be a very good winger as well. And he's 10 million, which again, you know, we've broken our you know, record signings up so a couple of times this window. So, uh, yeah, 10 million euros. He hasn't started as yet because obviously he's only just signed, but he was the missing link for us last season because we really thought we were going to replace Ben Rama with a winger. We really need a fast winger, somebody that's going to sort of change it up in the midfield, um, change it up in the wing if we needed to, start to attack to attack, attack teams. And we didn't have that last season. So people, um, you know, went defensive on us, but two games before, we didn't really kind of have um, enough options out there to uh, to break that down. So um, and so it's good that we've got him inside. So I'm looking very excited and I, I believe there's one player left that we've got, which is a right back taking the place of where Dell's guys could have been. If you've got a more experienced right back, there's a rumor that we've got this guy called Alexander Barr coming in. Uh, again, he's another Danish, you know, kind of link in there. But the rumor is that we're going to get Alexander Barr coming in on the right back. And if we do that, that should actually finish us off very nicely. And I think Brentford have done very well in the transfer window if they've done that because all the signings that I've seen so far are being quality. Yeah, it sounds like uh, yeah, I think you might be the most positive person I've had on. <laughs> the city have obviously done well in the, the scouting department have done really well by the things it's filling in areas that you see, finally getting the replacements. And obviously, as we say, we were recording after the game on, on Friday night and like I, I knew we were going to see some, you know, some nice football and I knew we I knew about some players obviously not knowing too much, but I mean you were phenomenal on Friday. Like it just genuinely was you know, all aspects of the game, you just made Arsenal look... Now, I, I, I have a laugh about Arsenal regularly on my podcast about how they're a, they're a, they're a mid-table team at best, but like you made them look very, very ordinary, and, and that's a credit to yourselves and, and yeah. the players that you, you, you know, your, your department have signed, and as you say, if you're strengthening in the window, um, yeah. it can only be a, a positive yeah. thing. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the Premier League, the Championship, right, I absolutely love the Championship. It's, I still think it's the best league in the world. I think it's, it's got great competition there. The fact that, you know, you got, you, you play the bottom team and you'll have a proper battle and a scrap there. And, you know, you can have one of sort of kind of 12 teams or 14 teams still can actually get promoted when you're coming into like three weeks from the season. All things like that make it really, really exciting. The, the relegation race was the, also the one that you had to watch out for last season as well. It's just so, so exciting. I really like it. And the fact is that it really gets you ready for, I think, for, for Premier League if you have to, because you have to, you have to battle yourself. You know, you're, you're playing Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. You're battling teams. You really have to be on it hardcore. And, uh, it's, you know, one of the very senior coaching people at Brentford said to me, it's actually harder to get out of the championships than to stay in the Premier League. Not saying that we're going to get relegated, not going to get relegated, but he said because there's a lot of very good teams in the Championship, they're all throwing lots of money at it, and there are only three places. So you have to be one of the top three best teams in that league. And the fact is that, you you know, you might have four or five or six teams in that league who could easily match uh, Premier League teams, you know, or, or, or maybe even more at some stage. Maybe not on a constant basis, but, you know, you're talking about that. So... All of a sudden in the Premier League, you have to actually be one of the worst three teams in the league not to go down. So, what, what, you know, obviously our concentration is to make sure they're not one of the worst 
three teams in the league because, you know, the, the, there's that whole thing about you being one of the worst three teams in the Premier League, but then going back to being one of the best three teams in the Championship. So where do you go? And you get the yo-yo teams like West Brom, you know, um, I think Derby County, QPR might have been there before. I can't remember who the yo-yo teams were, but, you know, um, Norwich, obviously teams like that. So, you know, yo-yoing before, between, backwards and forwards. So for us, we obviously want to try and just ensure that we're not one of those teams. But I think what I'm trying to sort of say that, you know, we kind of, we've learned to play good football in the championship. And we've come up with some very good sides. You know, Bournemouth were a good side. You know, Swansea on their day, if, they, if they're not cheating, you know, they do a lot of cheating. If they just stop the cheating, then they're a really good side, you know. Um, and, and, and like I said, Bournemouth, Bournemouth were a good side, you know. Derby County in the day have been good side. Villa when they're in, this, in, the, in, the, in our league, you know, they're playing some decent football. Leeds, very good side. So you're playing against Nottingham Forest on their day. Again, depending on how they go, you know, good sides. So you're playing some good sides, some really good football who can go toe to toe against a lot of teams. So we learned that trade in that division and our, you know, directors of football and scouting people who, who, you know, they've been, you know, they know how to scout people using our, you know, our statistical analysis thing, you know, and they buy people that no one's ever heard of, bring them into the side and then just make them better, coach them up. So we knew when we go into the, into, in the Premier League, they knew, they knew exactly who they wanted to buy. They've been looking at these people for two years, looking at their length of contract, where they're going to be, probably been talking to them or in and around them, saying, if, if we go up, then, you know, you want to come in here. So they know exactly who they, who they want and who they need to get to do the business. And that's what I really like about Brentford, because they've been so organised from when they, stopped, when, they, when they took over from when we were shaking buckets outside the ground sort of 10, 11 years ago. And the owner says, right, we need to get some organisation in this. Like, let's start planning for five years or six years or eight years or ten years, not plan for six months. So we've been planning this move. So now we've come in and they've got the players that they want and they've got the staff that they want. And we've got the system that we've got. We've got the football that we want. And then we've gone to the Premier League and they said, great, let's put it into place. You know, we don't have to change what we're doing because this is, we're doing this all the time. And that's the reason why I think we look really comfortable against Arsenal because we've been doing this for like, you know, a number of years now. And then we brought in players to up the level of the quality that we have as well, or to, to append the players that we've got there already. So, yes, against Arsenal, I, I, you know, and I'm trying to say very humbly because, you know, I'm very just proud of what they've done. I think that at times we did make Arsenal, you know, work really hard for it. And we did make them, um, I don't know, make them look, you know, I don't want to disrespect them at all because they're a very good side and some very good players. And, uh, we, you know, but we made them, let's say, look ordinary, but we made them look like a lot of teams that we played last season when we played them. And it made me think, oh, blimey, you know, I'm not really funny. Barnsley gave us a right good run around last season. They're, they're a really good side with their pressing, with their action, with their fitness and everything like that. I haven't seen that, you know, I didn't see that from the Arsenal side. I know they play different types of football, you know, and, you know, Barnsley have to do that week in and week out of the, in, the, in the Premier League. But, uh, you know, we were ready. We were ready for it and we did our job and I'm very happy Um that we got that result because we really deserved it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. As you say, the analytical department is just something else. Um, on to the season ahead then. Uh, again, Friday night's result will probably make this a little bit easier for yourself, but I'd imagine the ultimate goal is just staying in the Premier League if you were offered it at the start of the season, that, you know, the usual 17th place. But what's your prediction for the season ahead? 
Well, I'm going to say, I mean, like I said, you can check out our podcast, prideofwest.london. It is, and great, we do three podcasts a week. We do post-match podcasts where we go to the fans in the stadium, talk to them after the game. We've got a Thursday podcast, which is our sort of, you know, our, our, our flagship podcast, as you call it. We normally record it in the pub. It's a right good laugh. Like, you know, we've got podcasts with our director of football to in the pub, invite them down the pub in front of an audience, and we talked to them a few weeks ago. You should check that out. It's a really, really interesting one, Pride of West London. We've got Thomas Frankar. Our coach come down the pub as well. We seem to do everything down the pub, actually. Yeah. You know, so he came down there and down the pub. We did a podcast with him down the pub. Really, really interesting. We do lots of different, varied, um, varied things on Pride of West Dot London. But we, you know, did the predictions. I did the predictions in the in the newspapers, like the Observer. And I actually said, look, I'm going to go cliche, and I'm going to say let's keep our head above the parapet. But I'm not going to go for the cliche 17. I'm going to go one place higher and go for 16 because I would just love to see us in the first season survive in this league. And, uh, and do the business. So I know that we play great football, but, you know, we've got no barometer to put it against. So I've got no idea how we're going to do against any other um, team out there, really. I mean, and the Arsenal was a, a nice little test, but then, you know, we've got Crystal Palace on Saturday and then we've got Aston Villa. You know, Aston Villa, to be honest, is probably going to be the toughest of the, of the three games for me because Aston Villa, to me, are a championship side. And this is not a disrespect to, to Aston Villa fans who are listening out there. The reason why I say that is that because you come from the championship a couple of seasons ago so we know you. So it's almost like we're familiar with you and the way that you play. So we kind of see you. We see Leeds United. We see Norwich. We see those teams as being sort of inverted commas championship sides, even though, listen, I know you've gone up two seasons down the line. But um, I think that will make it a much more difficult task for us because it's almost like you will know more about us and how to deal with us, I think, than maybe a lot of the other teams who might scout us and do their business. But I, I, I'm, I'm going to find that. I'm going to say we're going to find that a little bit tricky. With, with, with Aston Villa. So by, by the time we finish playing Bright, which is our fourth game, we'll have a really good idea as to kind of where we are and where we fit in in this league and, and, and how we're going to do. So uh, I'm going to go 16th place, as I said, and I'll be very happy if we finish 16th place um, because that means that I can come back on here next year and I can talk like this again. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... I have um, a little bonus. I, I feel you're going to have a very Sheffield United-esque season and surprise a lot of teams, mainly because of the Premier League team's arrogance, that, again, as you say, the Championship... And I agree with you, the the Leeds and the Aston Villas of the world will probably give you almost a harder game sometimes than maybe even... like I'm a Liverpool supporter, so maybe more than a Liverpool or a Man City, purely on like the arrogance of the teams, you know, because they think, oh, this is a Championship team, we should beat them. Whereas, as you say, Villa and Leeds played you recently, so they know exactly what they're going to going to come up against um, last thing for you then Billy um, three players from yourself your prediction for your player of the season um, a player that opposition fans should look out for maybe like a, a not as well known you know like obviously everybody knows who Ivan Tony is but maybe a player who's not as as famous and then a, a fantasy football pro- option for people who play fantasy football who you reckon could get some points from, from the Brentford team Alright, so I think the player, the, uh, the player, so you said to player to look out for, I'm going to say Frank the Tank on Yeka. So I'm going to say that, look out for, he's a Duracell bunny of a, of a box to box midfielder, and he's looking quite lively. So I'm going to say that. Um, the player of the season, um, because it's hard, because I'm, I'm not going to go Ivan Tony, because that's obvious, he's a great player, he's scored goals. Um, I'm going to, I'm actually going to, I'll tell you what, this is a really hard one. Okay, I, I think if we if we stay up, and I'm going to give two people, if we stay up, the player of the season possibly could go to Ethan Pinnock, who's a he's a role he's a brilliant defender, lovely bloke and a brilliant defender. 
was playing five years ago, you know, Dulwich Hamlet. I saw Dulwich Hamlet. I was going to watch the Hamlet. I mean, I was, went to Dulwich Hamlet yesterday, played Chippenham. So if I don't get a chance to see the bees, I go to see Dulwich Hamlet. And they played, um, I saw them playing the playoff final against East Thurrock. Um, Hamlet got battered by East Thurrock and, <laughs> and Ethan Billiard was playing for them. And that was like five years ago. And now five years later, he's playing in the Premier League. So <laughs> I want to put down Ethan, Ethan Finnick. It'll be Ethan Finnick if we stay up or it's Ethan Finnick. Or I'm going to say Yenel is another one who's a brilliant midfielder who he bought for 500,000 last year when Norgard was injured. And uh, he's just like, he played yesterday and he was just like, he was, he was on fire. He just, he's one of these people that just does not, he covers every blade of grass. He's quite tough. He gets in there, puts his foot on the ball sometimes. And a lot of people think, how much did he cost you? Was he, what, 10 million ago? No, 500,000 pounds last year from Bochum in Germany. So uh, look out for Jan Alt on that. And then a player for your fantasy league, I'm going to go Bumo. Um, he was, he was, uh, he scored a lot of goals the season before with the, the Ollie Watkins team. He got COVID last season or the back end of that season, got COVID. So he's out for a bit. Then last season, he didn't play quite as well. And I think he was recovering from COVID, but he looks absolutely party for it now. And you saw him. He's the one that he got the ball from Ivan Tony and then smashed it against the post. Yeah. Um, in the first half and then a bit later he sort of kind of nutted a couple of uh, Arsenal players in the area and then sort of dragged the shot wide when it's probably easier to put it in the back of the net <laughs> I reckon I reckon Bumo is going to be one for your fantasy because he, he'll set up goals but I think he's going to score a few goals as well Yeah I, I love that option as you say most, most would have went for Tony I think most people already have Ivan Tony in their team for that cheap option so no I love that well Billy that takes us to the end so again thank you very much for joining me so we can just let everybody know where they can find you, and again, that more about the podcast and where they can find it. Uh, so, well, we're Besotted Podcast, we're a, po- we're a podcast, we're a blog, we're a video blog. You can get us at Besotted, B-W-E-S-O-T-T-E-D, sorry, B-W-E-S-O-T-T-E-D, dot, dot com. We're on Besotted as well on Twitter, Besotted1992 on Instagram, which we need to fire up a little bit more, and it's Besotted on Facebook as well, and uh, prideofwest.london if you want to go straight to the podcast. We've got nearly 800 episodes of our podcast, so we're pretty lively on the podcast front you know and uh yeah 800 800 episodes and and gunning for the thousands so yeah we've been there we've seen it and we've done it 30 odd years we've been going started with paper paper fanzine selling them outside the ground in 1992 i think or 1990 it was excited also like i said to you we've seen it all and we've done interviews from the deep likes of dean holdsworth to marcus scale to you know all sorts of managers and Dave Webb and everything like that, you know. So, uh, yeah, we know our onions, as they say, down at the side, and we've seen it all. And then it was all lower league football, so it's lovely to sort of grace the, the upper tier of the footballing world for however, however long it will be. I don't know, but we're just, we're just here for the beer, as they say. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, I, I can encourage everybody to go and check out. And I think you're going to provide a lot of entertainment this season, so I look forward to it. Um, well, yeah, as I say, thank you very much for jumping on, especially at the last minute trying to get trying to get a Brentford fan. So, again, thank you so much for that. That's right. That's all uh, good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Not a problem at all. You can okay. get us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms, as Billy said, for theirs, uh, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, uh, I'm sure I'm sure Chris even has Snapchat somewhere on it. Um, search Man in the Post anywhere you can find our podcast and you will get us. Rate, review, subscribe, interact with us on Twitter. Um, we are providing these twice a week. Um, first of show with Chris and the gang. The weekend review will be out every Monday morning. First one we recorded this evening as I record. Um, but yeah, thank you again, Billy. Thank okay. you very much for listening at home. And always remember to keep your Man in the Post.